the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the week of very special in-studio guests in Brian's absence. And this next hour, one of the most creative people I know personally, Eric Bramlett, here on The Common Good. the common good my name is ian simpkins normally joined by brian Fromm. he is in mexico enjoying his 20-year anniversary do not fret though he'll be back next week but if you'd like to find us i mean not really us digital representations of us we are on facebook the common good radio show 1160hope.com slash the common good on twitter at common good talk plus we are podcasted on quite literally every podcast platform you can find if you are that type of person uh rating and reviewing does somehow magically help us and we really do appreciate all of that but as i've been mentioning all week this has been such a fun week because it's just people that i really love and respect and appreciate in a multitude of different fields have agreed to come in studio and share with us some of their wisdom and this next hour we are joined by none other than the illustrious the prodigious Eric Bramlett, welcome to the show, good sir. Thank you, Ian. It is great to be here. Even if that's not true, I appreciate you saying that. No, it's a- wholeheartedly. There's, <laughs> there's, not, there's not any cynicism in that whatsoever. Well, how am I supposed to even know now? I don't well, know. I mean, that's, that's, that's I feel, the trick. I yeah. feel that yeah. is the trick. Plus, yeah. I was homeschooled, so not particularly adept on picking up on well, social, social cues. cues. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what we've been doing with guests is uh, giving them them space just to kind of share a bit of their story. So however you want to run with that, personal, professional, spiritual, how would you kind of describe the journey that you've been on? Sure. So um, I was raised in Phoenix, Arizona, Southern Baptist. Uh, so I the that. church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally true. Southern fried. And uh, enjoyed my experience uh, finding Jesus. I was baptized when I was six. Uh, and somewhere along that same time, I found that my gifting was in theater, mm-hmm. uh, in acting, in, I didn't really know directing yet, but I wanted to perform. I loved doing that. Hmm. And basically, for for the most part of my teenage years into my uh, early adulthood, uh, I pursued a life of theater. I wanted to be an actor. Uh, I, I, I have degrees in theater. I have two degrees in theater. Two degrees yeah, in theater. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and really, it, I never, no, I wouldn't say never, I, I didn't veer too far off from the mm. path. I just kind of had two kind of pillars of my life. I huh. had my church life and right. I had my theater life. Huh. And, you know, there were probably some, uh, some inconsistencies there in and out as you kind of live your life. Sure. But for the most part, I think. I think, uh, you know, I enjoyed the experience in both sets. I met my wife in mm. theater. She was also a Christian. Uh, we got married. Uh, we sang in the choir together at churches mm. when we moved to Chicago. Um, I, I did grad school at Illinois State uh, in directing for the theater. Mm. Came to Chicago, started directing uh, theater. She started acting in theater in Chicago. And, uh, you know, fast forward a few years when we're ready to start thinking about uh, raising a family. Um, 
my wife says, well, you probably need to get a real job, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, so through some of the connections that I'd already made with some churches, uh, particularly Willow Creek, I got to know Steve Patterson, mm-hmm. who at that time, uh, you know, Willow Creek was running live sketches every week. Uh, and he, week. oh yeah, and he was he was the drama director for Willow, and I got to know him. He was he was also an educated theater guy. He had a doctorate in theater. Wow, uh, still does I assume, uh, <laughs> and and it, it was just a really great relationship, and it was an opportunity for me to see. Hey, wait, there might be a possibility that these two parts of my life. Mm that have been separate up until this point could actually be together in some way. Wow. And so he encouraged me to investigate, you know, kind of what was out there that a lot of people might in the church world with Willow kind of taking the lead. Right. Um, that other churches might be interested in someone like me uh, to be on staff. Hmm. So I got a hold of the Willow Creek Association list of churches in Illinois and sent out a bunch of resumes and here's who I am. And one of them happened to land on Dave Ferguson's desk right at the time that they were looking for a creative arts director. The church was only seven years old at the time we were meeting in uh, high school, just two services there, but doing like, you know, 650 on the weekend. I mean, it was, everything was going great. Hmm. And then I came in and, you know, all chaos ensued. (laughs) But, um, but I was actually the first kind of outside hire, like, like someone that they didn't know that didn't sort of come up through the ranks of leadership. And so, uh, it took a while. There was, there were months of interviews and conversations, uh, before it became clear that, you know, this was what I was supposed to do. Wow. So I imagine, you're sort of being inspired to consider this venture of like bringing these two pillars together. What, what did your like cover letter look like? Hey, I don't know if you're even looking for someone like me. Here's what I do. And here's how I think I can serve you at the church level. Like, right. Well, it's funny because it was really just a directing resume, which a directing oh, really? resume is a little like, so you've got newspaper clippings of like reviews right, from right. your shows. If People have said good things about them. Then you include the reviews. No kidding. Um, and and it's a cover letter, and it's saying, "Here's who I am. Here's my work." Actually, uh, Dave and Sue and a, and a, and some other couples, like when I was interviewing, came to Chicago and watched some of the productions that I was directing. Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, so in some ways, that was also a part of the interview process. Wow. But but yeah, you kind of have to. You know, trust that somebody understands what <laughs> right. I'm talking about. Right. Uh, I did have a couple of of churches get back to me and say, this is really great. We love the idea of this. We don't have a job, but will you come be a member of our church and start implementing some of this stuff? No, this was not a member application that I was sending to you. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not a typo, but but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was kind of the adventure. Well, and props to the leadership for having the foresight and vision to say, all right, not a lot of people are doing this, but this guy seems like the right fit. We think we think this would be really good for our church. Like, how long ago was this? Oh, this was in 1996. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, it is. You're it coming was, up on 25 years then. To my math, uh, is that correct? Yeah, give or take. Okay. Yeah, I got another year or so. But, yeah. Yeah, we're really close. So, now, I mean, now you're involved in, and we'll get into this a little later in the show. So, you're not just functioning like community's director. You, you have a number of different leadership hats that you wear. How, how has some of that sort of morphed into the job and role that you're in today? Sure. Well, f- fortunately, I haven't had to... Ch- 
I don't have a business card, but I, I don't have to change it. I've, I've been able to call myself creative arts director all this time. That's remarkable. Uh, but it has taken on lots of forms. I mean, we started doing multi-site two years into to me working there, and, oh, and we didn't know what we were doing. There were no books. No one had ever done this in this way. Right. Uh, we were making it up as we went along. I, you know, I struggled with it, honestly, as a theater guy. Like, it was hard mm. for me to think about franchising a live experience mm. in two different places. This was before for video teaching, although we did dabble in that eventually. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, over the years, I have uh, been able to kind of lend my artistic vision, I guess, to the, the overall storytelling of what takes place in large group uh, services at our now 11 locations. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of what I do, what I did back then was, was getting something all the way to Sunday morning. Right, uh, right. And and finishing. And I was kind of like the producer of the service, mm. you know, all the way through. And I think that our our growth and being able to lean on other expertise and just, you know, what it takes in, in order to provide our locations with what they need to mm. be successful right. uh, means that I'm doing a lot more work on the front end. I'm doing a lot more work in the weeks leading up to the Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's just a different way of, of working the storytelling and then kind of handing it off to the experts who are right there, you know, at the, at the ground level, uh, executing, whether they be the teaching pastors or the community pastors or the worship pastors or arts directors, all, all of those people are sort of making this thing come alive. And, And adding to it their their personal touch and creativity, so you know it it's it's still fun yeah. uh, and it's still an adventure. And I love <laughs> storytelling and I love being able to tell the story and being able to do it in some hopefully creative ways. That is a perfect tease to what I want to talk to you about next because this uh, bridge between creativity and leadership. I think is almost like an evergreen tension in church ministry, something that a lot of pastors are often asking us, how do I fix this? How do I resolve this? How do I grow in this area? And you now have a quarter century of experience in navigating that. So we're going to talk creativity in the church. You also wrote a book called The Big Idea, which has become like a central part of sort of the DNA of our church and a lot of other churches. And uh, we'll talk a whole lot of other things coming up the next hour with Eric Bramlett, Creative Arts Director at Community Christian Church here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good with the most depressing music in our entire database, which is apropos for uh, Eric Bramlett. Just a real somber presence in the studio You today. know I'm a moody artist, <laughs> so I got to get that purple, in. purple, which is the color of moods. No, that's not true. Anyway, we're joined all hour by Eric Bramlett, the creative arts director at Community Christian Church. And before we dive into creativity and leadership and the book that he wrote called The Big Idea, he's got some words to say at you. It's true, Ian. You know... The new year is underway, and our friends at In Touch Ministries want to bless you with a complimentary wall calendar called, and I quote, Blessed to be the Church, featuring Charles Stanley's original photography of churches around the world, an inspirational Bible verse from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and a motivational quote from Dr. Stanley accompany each photo. Each one? Yes. My goodness. And you could get yours today absolutely free at 1160hope.com slash contest. Wow. And everyone who signs up, get ready for this, will be entered to win a copy of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And so you just sign up today at 1160hope.com slash contest. That might be the best that's ever been read. Well, you know, I, I, I work hard. You do? I, <laughs> you also just have a gift. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Which I do, and I'll say this God's good. a number of times throughout the show, but one of the things that I do appreciate about you, because I think a lot of times people assume creative arts directors deal, you know, with the musicians and the drama stuff, but you also bring an incredible amount of insight to the preaching, and I've been the recipient, both of you and your wife, wisdom and stuff that, you know, I've been preaching 15 years, no one's ever told me or caught up on. Like you, as you kind of explained in the last segment, you have a, a holistic wisdom when it comes to local church creativity, which is why I think you're such a perfect fit for community, obviously, 25 years. But like, I'd love to know from your perspective, what has that journey been like? What does sometimes maybe the church get wrong with creativity or we're working and collaborating with artists? Like, how have you navigated that? Sure. I, you know, it is it is fun and it is great to be able to bring to the table some of the things that we've learned in the theater world. Uh, you know, about collaboration. I think collaboration has been the mm. biggest thing that that I feel like our church culture has been able to grasp yeah. and hold on to and foster. Uh, f- that in my head comes directly from theater where, you know, a theater production, a live theater production, you know, these elements cannot exist without the other. Hmm. You are not, if you're not, uh, if there's not a lighting designer, you can't see the actor. Right, right. If the actor isn't saying something, why is the costumer putting clothes on them? Hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, all of these things are dependent upon each other. Hmm. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's when we look at our, our weekend services and our creative storytelling, that's that's what we're doing. We're hmm. collaborating. Uh, and then I would also say that I think the, the biggest aha for me was this is something that Dave and I landed on. I think it shows up in the Big Idea book. Hmm. Uh, but as a principle, is just how important it is for the artist in the church, the kind of the lead artist or creative arts director or worship pastor to be able to feel like they can take risks Hmm. Um, in the midst of this collaboration with say a lead pastor, um, you know, or chief communicator. Yeah. Uh, And, and so the risk, having a pastor understand what it means for an artist to be able to take risks Hmm. is very important because uh, in many cases, the pastor Uh, is not comfortable with those risks because they're thinking about sort of the end game Mm -hmm. and they're like, I don't want to take that risk because what if people don't like it? What if they don't understand it? You know, so I'm not ready for that. Similarly, I think that, that an arts, an artist is prone, who is prone to risk has a hard time trusting. And so Mm. I think that they need to be able to trust that pastor uh, to and so that's the relationship is the right. risk and trust. So you're you're taking big risks, but you're also kind of covering it in a relationship built on trust. Right. And so I mean I think that's been the most important part of our creativity is the fact that we live in that tension yeah. of uh, I trust you to take this risk. I also, on the other side, I trust you to not let me take a risk that will fall. That's good. Something that won't be detrimental to them right. or to the experience overall. Exactly. Or, I, I was listening to a podcast in preparation for this interview, and they were interviewing Sting talking about creativity. And they talked about how for like two decades, he was just like writing hit after hit after hit. And then he had this eight-year drought, and he was sort of left lamenting, like, who am I if I'm not writing songs? And it, this whole beautiful story about going back to his hometown and like rediscovering you know, who he was and the stories that made him. But the interviewer asked him, how do you define creativity? 
And he said, he kind of laughed. He said, honestly, it's just the capacity to take risks. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, would you d- describe it similarly? Like someone who's listening, who maybe leads a church or they're involved in some sort of creative component or someone who's like, I'm a part of a church, but I don't understand why creativity is really important. Shouldn't we just be preaching the good word, <laughs> baptizing right. people, getting in small groups? Like, how would you answer right. that question? Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think that we are all created in the image of God. Uh, that's kind of an establishing principle. Yeah. And God was the creator. Hmm. And so when I think about creativity, I go right to that. Hmm. And I think that our desire to what if things, uh, to say, what if there was this? Or what if, you know, what if Roxanne wanted her to turn (laughs) off the red light? You know, what if? (laughs) Um, That innate ability, uh, you know, or desire Hmm. to go from nothing to something that's a that's a what if that I think comes from I think it's a part of what it means to be you know born in the image of God and so that. so I think I think it's tied there and then I think that churches struggle with that because uh, we get stuck in ritual and mm. and we and when I say ritual I'm not talking about like old church versus new church you know traditional versus contemporary yeah. every single one of us. We, we're, we're, ha- we're creatures of habit. Yeah, right. And so we stop creating hmm. because it worked once. And so <laughs> then we repeat, right. you know, it's like, why, you know, why are there no new great songs by journey? <laughs> uh, because yeah. they are stuck right. now. They're really good at what they do. Right. And right. it's creative. Uh, but are they still asking the what if questions? I don't know. I don't know them. But, but you know, in my head, that's what I, that's what I think about when it comes to ritual or yeah. habit. And so, what happens is then the church, collectively, in the in the kind of worst situations uh, or most detrimental, they they um, they make those rituals or they make those habits spiritual. Mm. And so, once they become spiritual, well, now I can't change it because it's holy. It's it's like it's dogma. It's right. it's a part of right. what we do to do That's church. Good. Right. And so then you become even less uh, interested in the possibility of taking risks. That makes a ton. Of, I was just reading a quote by Winston Churchill. He said something like he said, art without tradition is like a flock without a shepherd. But tradition without art is like a corpse. <laughs> sort of like it needs uh, both art and, without. Uh, and it's a lot like that trust risk dichotomy mm-hmm. that you're describing, which. Now that I'm hearing you talk about it, the church is like the perfect laboratory for that to be played out. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Is everybody creative to some degree? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you're Imago Dei, you're made in the image and likeness of God, which is everybody. Oh, yeah. There is no non-creative people. Yeah. What was the... There's an old book in the 90s, like orbiting the giant hairball or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. But, you know, that's the guy, the Hallmark card writer who, mm-hmm. you know, when he would go to a kindergarten class, how many of you are an artist? Everybody raises their hand. Oh, yeah. You get to first, second, third, fourth, fifth. By the time you get to high school, there's like maybe two or three people who raise their hand. Man. And and I, I think it just, I mean, in a way, it gets kind of beat out of us, you know? Yes. I mean, it, I was blessed with parents who saw the gifting that I had and allowed me to to push through to try to pursue whatever hmm. I thought that was. Um, you know, and, and not all artists are given those kind of blessings when it yeah. comes to uh, the, 
you know, the edification of the pursuit of that kind of thing. Right. Man, that's really good. All right. Well, coming up next, I want to ask you about this book. You mentioned it just a minute ago. The big idea. A lot of people probably even use this language in their churches and don't realize where it came from. I interact with pastors all the time. They're like, well, what's the big idea? And in my head, I'm always like, I know where that came from. I know whose idea you're plagiarizing right now. So you literally wrote the book that I think has transformed the way a lot of churches work and function. And that's what I'm going to talk to Eric Bramlett, creative arts director at Community Christian Church, next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, Ian Simpkins here. And after we had this marriage conference with Thrivent and two other local churches, it kind of piqued my interest to learn more about this organization. We had such a good response with them at the conference. I was kind of interested in seeing what else they did. And so they actually provided me with this list of like 12 or 13 different topics that they offer free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And the thing that was crazy is that each of these topics were things that people in my church were actually asking me, things that I didn't really know how to talk about. And so they offered numerous free workshops for the people in our church to help them be wise with money and to live generously. And let me tell you, it was this really beautiful sort of no strings attached kind of a, we want to help you do this better. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with Thrivent and being really grateful for the ways that they were coming alongside us and the local churches around us. And if you're interested at all in learning more, I cannot encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good, and that music is noticeably less depressing. Yeah, so, no, it, it, light, airy, enjoyable. Probably a major uplifting. key, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Hope for your life. Mm-hmm. We are we are heading into the... Woo, we've come good. over the hump. <laughs> I'm sitting higher in my chair. Love it. We're smiling wide. That other voice you're hearing, though, is none other than Eric Bramlett, Creative Arts Director at Community Christian Church. You can learn more, if you like, at communitychristian.org. Check out one of our 11 locations throughout Chicagoland, all the way in the city, out in the suburbs. We're in Naperville, but we're also in Plainfield, Yorkville, Lincoln Park, Lincoln Square. We're all over the place. So can't encourage you enough. You'll see Eric's face somewhere on the website. Sure. Yeah. I should have verified that before I just set it into a microphone. I have no idea. I'm sure I'm findable. But you you are findable. I've always said that about you. But you wrote a book. I don't know how long ago you wrote this book. Oh, uh, so long. And I co-wrote it. You uh, co-wrote this it. This will fair. be, yeah, Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson and I were able to collaborate on a book in 2007. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> called The Big Idea. And it was a lot of fun. It was uh, was Ondervan and it was with Leadership Network. And it was kind of the first in a series of Leadership Network kind of practical how-to sort of sort of books. And, and yeah, give us the overview. What is this book about, and sure. why is it so evergreen? Because it's something that we still kind of... I yeah, mean, it's like an anchor for us. It's true. And I, and I would say up front, I mean, if you're checking out the book, the details of like kind of the practical of how we do what we do mm. uh, have definitely changed okay. since 2007. There's no doubt about it. The principles, I think, are the same, and mm. we've held on to those. And the basic premise is that our churches tend to bombard people with too many ideas. Mm. And so what happens is each part of our service almost has a different set of ideas. So you've got the worship leader comes up and gives a greeting and they've got a verse and they do that. And then they sing a song that may or may not be related. (laughs) And then here comes the person to set up the offering and they've got an idea because Uh it's connected to the giving. And so they share their idea. And then the pastor gets up and they're not going to start their sermon yet because they want to say, hi, everybody. And I want to talk to you about the thing that um, I just thought of. And so then they do that. 
And <laughs> before you get to the end of a service, even if it's a shorter hour long service, right. you could have anywhere from 10 to 15 different ideas. And so right. the book was seeking to encourage church leaders to think in terms of one big idea hmm. and, and spend the time necessary to brainstorm and hone and craft so that when you go, when someone walks into that experience, uh, that they're able to be challenged appropriately and able to focus on one particular idea. Mm, mm. And and from there, I mean, when you get into sermon planning or series planning, you know, there's lots of churches that are doing that. That's not particularly unique. Right. But one of the things that we do to uh, encourage that kind of focus is we work way, way, way ahead of time. Yes. Uh, because that's one of the one of the downsides of a scenario where a worship leader is preparing their worship set for the weekend service and the pastor gives them a Bible verse on Wednesday and says, here's what I'm talking about. Well, right, right. then Thursday, Friday, Saturday hits and they haven't, the pastor maybe hasn't done the work. We all know that, that the download uh, peak times for preachingtoday.com or whatever is midnight on a Saturday. You know, that's that, true? Oh, yeah. No yeah. And that's so, so, <laughs> so then basically that same pastor will turn around, download something, and use it the next day. And it's totally different than what he told the worship pastor. Wow. So for us, it just becomes more and more important for us to plan ahead. Uh, and that actually is kind of counterintuitive to an artist type, but uh, the way huh. that I've kind of encouraged our artists to think about this, and this is stuff I'll say in, in conference settings is, you know, we've just, we've figured out a way to procrastinate early. Hmm. So all of our scenarios, I mean, I was in a production meeting this morning and we're having a conversation about a video piece that we've said we want to do and we're talking about it and what it might look like. And we ask, what's the due date? And the due date is 10 days before the Sunday that this will actually air. Mm. And so we've just, and so now we're procrastinating. We, we have procrastinated, right, right? right? And we are working to deadline. Hmm. But what we've done is we've just forced ourselves to get that deadline ahead as, as early as we can hmm. uh, in order to uh, have the time that we need to craft it and then to make it available to our locations. So, so is that early deadline in your mind, um, is that essential to good collaboration, is having a long enough runway? I think it's essential to the risk and the trust conversation. Oh, that's uh, Because good. Yeah. I think that uh, a lot of times really creative ideas in the church are squashed because they show up on a Thursday or Friday and we just before the Sunday. Yeah, right. how could I ever do that? Right. And so, or I know that there's something not right about that idea and I can't figure out what it is, so I'm just going to say no. That's kind of the default. Yeah. It's safer to say mm -hmm. no than to let you take the risk. Or worse, let you take the risk, and it's yeah. not fully formed, right. and it needs guidance, and it doesn't have any time for it to sort of you know become the thing that it needs to be eventually. Right. Uh, and so I think there are dangers on both sides, really. That's really good. Okay, so what are some of the biggest hurdles, then, in actually doing this well? Because it's one of the things that I actually brag about the most, you know, coming to community and we, you know, we write our sermons collaboratively and that's a mm -hmm. show for a different day. But a lot of times pastors will ask me like with a lot of pity in their face, like, Hey, how's the collaborative writing thing going? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? It's awesome. What do you, right. why do you feel bad for me? But I've been in a lot of those meetings with you and you just have, and maybe it's because you've been doing it for so long, but like you have a real gift for facilitating and fostering like actual collaboration and not just, 
I come up with all these, and I just kind of need you all to just agree, which mm-hmm. sometimes has to happen, obviously. Like, hey, because of time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people really struggle to foster real collaboration. How, how do you do that? Well, I mean, first of all, I think you have to be okay with um, holding loosely your own ideas. Mm. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I like my ideas. In fact, I love my ideas. <laughs> right, when, when I first when I first started working at the church, and my friends who don't go to church, who were in the theater world, would ask me what What's the church like? And I would say, Well, um, it's mostly stuff that I like. You know, because <laughs> so pretty great. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I think it's awesome. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I think that I think that it's important to like your ideas. That's good. Uh, but it's also very important to hold them loosely. That that when you're going to offer that up to the table Hmm. that it's going to be okay it's going to be okay if no one responds to it it's going to be okay if three people laugh at it Hmm. but four people are like you know what i could see something there uh and and then i think also you're holding on loosely in terms of uh allowing them to morph into something else what i get most excited Hmm. about in our brainstorms is not like one idea that wins the day yeah it's when someone says what if we did this and then another person says okay that but then what if we also added this to it and before you know it you've come up with a truly unique idea that would not have been able to happen if we were in a vacuum and there's like shared ownership of it too because like man we actually came up with this together my favorite thing and also a nice thing about the the planning ahead and the distance you tend to forget which ideas were your own yeah right and it becomes the collective that's it's like i don't remember who thought of that (laughs) but isn't it great did you write this talk last week i'm like i don't remember That was eight weeks ago. I right. can't. Right. How, I can't how even could recall. I possibly remember? So I want to make sure people have a chance to to get the book or find the book if uh, they want to. Where would they go to yeah, get the book? So you know, the Amazon uh, has it, and uh, <laughs> so you can you could head to your Amazon bookstore, <laughs> and uh, it's called the Big Idea. It's probably uh, capitalized under Ferguson. You know, like well, like yeah. it's. I'm you know I'm not ashamed to admit I'm probably that. the third person listed. <laughs> In the book. But so look for Ferguson look and then for a Bramlett there. Yeah, oh, okay. if there's a Bramlett there, then... <laughs> you hit the jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> totally. They, they, what's the, there's a website, too? Uh, sure. So uh, in terms of our creative content uh, that we produce for... Uh, we, we make that content available online for churches to download and take right. into account. And messages, uh, PowerPoint, graphics, videos. Uh, those things are available at BigIdeaResources.com. Yep. It's amazing. And it really is like the I've I've had people purchase things and for some reason write me. I don't know why they're writing me, but like, hey, we didn't actually realize how robust a resource this is. It is graphics and slides and manuscripts. They're not just outlines and a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, yeah, big idea resources dot com. Can't encourage you enough to head there. Well, coming up next, we're going to land the plane. But I have a couple of questions. I wonder if we'll get in a conversation about prints. It's possible. Mm. I can't make any promises. It's always maybe Prince and or Star Wars. We'll see where it goes. Coming up next with Eric Bramlett on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good and easily the most positive music we've had all show. This has really been an emotional arc. Yeah, it's it's gone from the dirge to (laughs) full-on joyful celebration. That was intentional. Control. We did that yeah. on purpose for you, knowing that well, you're a creative arts director. And I like a good story. You do so. love a good story. That's true. That other voice you're hearing is not Brian Fromm. He is in Mexico, but he will be joining us on Monday. He will return. At least that's what he's telling us. If I were yeah. him, I wouldn't 
Blame him for staying longer. Yeah, I mean, happy anniversary. Right? First of all. To Brian, Brian from yeah, right? Absolutely. 20 years. Yeah. What are, awesome. you, what are you at? Uh-huh. Years-wise. Yeah, uh-huh. Are you? Yeah. I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't 26. mention 26. You're at 26 years? Yeah, yeah. Look at you, man. Speaking sure. of your anniversary, your wife is going to be on the show sometime in the near future. I sure hope so. She's uh, phenomenal. She's amazing. If so. you want to learn more preemptively, Christy Bramlett with the K, ChristyBramlett.com. You can find all information. And uh, we're going to talk about you and some of... Uh, how this went? How about oh that? yeah, no, that'd be good. <laughs> I I would love for this portion of your show to be prep for her part in her sh- in your show. That's Absolutely. so meta, so yeah. inception of you. Oh. Okay, can I just ask you a curveball question? Sure. Who do you consider to be a creative genius? Uh, well, I mean, you teased it earlier, but is I would answer? say my answer is Prince. Uh, you know, he's not alive anymore, but right. I do think he was a creative genius. Why? What um, about him? Well, first of all, he was self-taught on almost every instrument that he played. Uh, so that's amazing yeah. when you think about that he played, you know, 20-some-odd instruments. He did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much anything except horns. Like, horns were, like, the thing that he didn't do. Really? Um, and uh, everything else he could play. That's bonkers. And, and probably play better, you know, than, you know. I mean... Yeah, that's a good point. So, also, I think he was, he was on a spiritual search, hmm. um, and I think that fueled his creativity. Hmm. Uh, it got him into places that, you know, you're not, that we wouldn't play on this radio station uh, in terms of <laughs> lyrics and Maybe subject. We, yeah, probably not. Um, right. But also some that we would. Yep. Uh, you know, songs like The Cross uh, are amazing yep. when it comes to f- trying to figure out who Jesus was. So, um, and, uh, you know, he, he was prolific. Yeah. He put out so much more material than was even possible to be released right. in his, you know, in his lifespan. So what is that a real Prince quote? He said something like, when I want to hear new music, I just write some. <laughs> that sounds, sounds like, like something Prince? you would say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in the four years that I've been on staff is seeing you actually perform the cover of a Prince song. People might actually, I didn't think to mention this at exponential conference every year. You're the guy <laughs> right. that does the, what is it? It's a cover song before the main yeah. keynote to yeah. the end of the conference, That's right? That's true. Technically a parody. Uh, what did because I say? I've, well, you said a cover song. Oh, okay, it but... is a cover. It's a We pick some song, and then I write lyrics to help introduce <laughs> that person. So, you know, if... if uh, <laughs> I love parody, actually. I, I think, You're very I think, good I think, at it. Well, thank you. I think Weird Al Yankovic is another creative genius for yeah. his ability to do that. So I try to model my lyric writing after that. But uh, basically, somehow this this tradition got started. Oh, you don't even know how it started. Well, I mean, I probably do. I think that <laughs> I think that we because for years at community, I would introduce uh, at our leadership communities. You know, these gatherings once a month for just leaders. We would I would do a new leader song every month, every month, <laughs> and every month we would do a unique parody. And basically, I would talk about how I love new leaders because I really do. Right. I really do love new leaders. Right. And every time we would be able to celebrate them, we'd have them stand up, we'd cheer, and I would sing them a song. Amazing. Uh, so then, when the exponential conference got going, we started doing uh, some 
some similar introductions. <laughs> and I think that Tim Keller was the first one. No uh, yeah. And so he was there. And uh, Jeff Warris, who's at Community now, he was uh, at uh, one of our New Thing churches and his band was doing the music. And he was like, hey, what if we did this? And so we <laughs> introduced Tim Keller to More Than a Feeling by Boston. And at the time, I mean, I'm getting older, so my, my range is getting, you know, less so. But it's I, still impressive, I have a tenor voice that is sort of, you know, circus-like in terms of like, you know, you point <laughs> and go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that could come out of that. Right. And so, so I would pick these songs, Journey and ACDC. And so probably the one that kind of broke the bank was when I sang uh, Back in Black to introduce Francis Chan. And, you know, and and so the first lyrics were, you know, and you just have to imagine that I'm screaming this like ACDC. Francis Chan, he's the man controlling you with his giant hands. (laughs) I mean, because that's what he's doing. He's great. Uh, That's what he's doing. He's a wizard with giant hands. Yep. And so I don't take myself (laughs) seriously enough to not be afraid to make fun of people, even when they're sitting right there. Yeah. So (laughs) and they almost always make some comment once you're done. Like, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I think I kind of liked that. I sang uh, Bohemian Rhapsody for Max Lucado. What was the parody? What was uh, the, it was Mexicano, 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 Mexicano. I mean, that's the whole reason you do it is so you can say that. Oh so my it's like gosh. whatever you have to do to get to that point. <laughs> that's basically where I was. Well, and that, and that question has some purpose behind it, because I think uh, if it's not really obvious yet, I think that's part of what makes you a great leader, to be honest, is you're incredibly skilled and gifted, but you're also super willing to have fun and I, I've never really thought this much about it until coming to community, how much of value I think that actually is to collaboration, to creative endeavors that I think there are a lot of people with a lot of giftedness, but they just take themselves way too seriously or they're not willing to poke a little fun at themselves or to have yeah. a little. I mean, I think that maybe comes naturally to you. I don't I can't tell. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I was certainly I certainly think there's a part of it that comes naturally. I also, yeah. you know, spent some time doing sketch comedy in college, uh, right. you know, so I was familiar enough with what it was like to sort of go on the attack for a laugh hmm. uh, and then figuring out what it what it looks like to bring comedy into a church environment. That's definitely something that I I, I hold dear. I think it's super important because yeah. because, you know, again, sort of the, we we can have a tendency to over-spiritualize seriousness, you know, right. and, and, and joy is, is so much more than just sort of raising your hands during a slow song. Yes. You yes. Know? And so I think, I think that culture is, is really, really important to foster. And certainly we try to do that at the church staff level. Yeah. And I think it works its way throughout because, you know, people, people love to laugh. Why in the world right. would we want to like exclude church from that experience? <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, but we do because we're afraid that, that if we make fun of somebody that it's going to be somehow not Christian. Yeah, right. All right. So I, what I would love for you to do as we wrap up then, would you just give like some pastoral hope or wisdom or challenge to people that are thinking, man, I would love I would love for my church to be more collaborative or to, or to take a deeper dive into creativity. Maybe we're not ready to actually procrastinate early the way that you guys are, but I want to begin the conversation. Like what word of hope or, or challenge or encouragement would you give to those people? Well, I think that uh, my encouragement would be to start uh, small, you know, to start with one week. And maybe hmm. it is 
Maybe maybe it's not Easter because that's such a big deal. Right. Maybe it's not Christmas Eve because it's such a big deal. But maybe there's maybe there's a three week series in there. Maybe there's hmm. there's one or two weeks that are kind of we don't know what's going to happen for those weeks. Uh, be able to begin the conversation in enough time and and sort of ask the question: What if we just tried this pattern hmm. uh, once? Yeah. You know, and then we'll 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 try it. And then we'll see what it was like, and we'll talk about it afterwards and see if we could get it on the calendar again. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I think that we do what we do in 52 weeks, uh, but but even then, I mean, you have to have breaks. You have to have time yeah, where you're right. just sort of rebooting, and we've certainly had, you know, it's time to bring out some greatest hits, and, yeah. you know, it's time to, to, to get some pause and reflect. And so we definitely do that, and I, I guess, you know, it can look daunting if the whole thing mm-hmm. has to be solved for right. 52 weeks. Right. You know, and so then maybe if one week isn't even doable, maybe it's just one part of the service, hmm. you know, to be able to say, I'd like to think about this part of the service in this way. I think that's you know, great. What does it look like to just tackle it from this vantage point? That's good, man. I'm so grateful for you, your friendship, your leadership, I think community. You just have your fingerprints all over it. And uh, I'm just grateful I get to be on mission with you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Right back at you. You can learn more at communitychristian.org. You can go to bigidearesources.com for information about what we do. Also look for The Big Idea, the book. There's going to be a couple of Ferguson names likely above it likely. in order, but also yeah. Eric Bramlett will mm-hmm. be there as well. Cannot encourage you enough, guys. It's like changed the life of our church in so many ways. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Thank you. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. It is the week of very special in-studio guest in this next hour. One of the smartest thinkers I know personally, my friend John Hughes, is here on The Common Good. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm. He is in Mexico celebrating 20 years of marital bliss, but fret not. He will be returning, at least we're told, on Monday. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But you can find out more on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, slash The Common Good, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Plus, did you know we are podcasted wherever it is you find your fine podcasts? If you are a podcaster, uh, liking, subscribing, reviewing, sharing, all of that. That does magically help us out somehow. But uh, this whole week, and we're coming to the end of the week, 
John Hughes, and I've said this to you before, you got like a shocked look on your face when I said it, but you really are just one of my favorite people. I think you're an incredible thinker of thoughts. But first, just welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's really good. I've got my black coffee right here. Yes, you and do. you guys are really taking care of me. <laughs> yeah, uh, John right now is fanning him with a palm branch, <laughs> and the masseuse is coming in in about 20 minutes. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. All the people walking by. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, there's a big window, so everyone can view it for their viewing pleasure. Um, before we kind of get into the weeds a little bit, for uh, anyone who doesn't know who you are or what you do, what's kind of your current role and position in the stuff that you do in life? Yeah, so um, the thing that pays the bills yes, is right. uh, I get to be the adult ministry director at uh, Naperville Christian Church at the Yellow Box yep. in, in Naperville and been doing that now for almost five years. And um, so I get to oversee small groups and prayer and a lot of a lot of really great things. Yeah, um, get to do some other things on the production side of some of our adult materials, and also play a hand in a lot of our um, leadership development classes yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, you do a ton of stuff. We talk a lot at community how you know people that wear multiple hats, and your picture usually shows up next to that statement in terms of like. St- stuff you're involved in and yes. rightly so you're weirdly good at like all of it which is insane oh and one thing i forgot that we actually do together yeah. is i do a little bit of research for the teaching team you do you're sort of uh, unofficially i haven't made you like a sash or a robe yet but like the in-house theologian i i want the sash and <laughs> yes do a little bit of that. sash and tassels all right i'm gonna i'm gonna price it out while you're talking well, if i'll get it shipped immediately uh okay so that's sort of your Current life, current role, position, what pays the bills. You also dabble in a whole lot of other things, and you're going mm-hmm. mountain climbing later this year, and you've brewed beer in the past, and you're a maker of great pizza and brisket, yes. and just a man of many, a classic Enneagram 7, yep. right? You're just oh, yeah. passionate. Yep. But I'm curious, can you just tell us a little bit of your story? Like, what got you to this point? That can be your faith story, your professional story, your social story. What What is some of that? Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so... I was a preacher's kid growing up and um, we lived in a parsonage. And if, you know, if you're sitting there, you don't know what a parsonage is. (laughs) It's basically when a church owns property and the pastor's family lives in it. Right. I've done that. And we lived uh, at the end of the parking lot of Hmm. the church building. Oh, you were that close. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was Uh walk out the front porch, (laughs) jog a little bit, roll, and you're there. So oh, lovely. And I, I was even born on a Sunday. So I mean, you just, you know, it was all church. <laughs> and, you know, there are some people that tell kind of nightmare stories about being a pastor's kid. I don't wouldn't say that I felt mm. that way. Mm. I think my church community was probably my the, the best community that I mm. had growing up. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that I always loved that mm-hmm. or could appreciate it at right. the time because right. there was a a significant uh, portion of my life where I spent just kind of running away from that mm-hmm. and wanting to reject everything that my parents were teaching, that right. the church was teaching. Um, to get into that would take us too far afield. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until like the end of my senior year that I I started to reexamine my life and um, decided that I wanted to go to um, Bible college hmm. and uh, our youth pastor had always said, you know, if you get out of school and you, um, you know, before you go off to whatever school, 
homeschooling you're going to have, why don't you try a year at mm-hmm. Lincoln Christian College, which is where you know, my, my folks actually went to school where they met. And so I kind of decided to do that. And while I was there, I kind of started to feel the, the pull to uh, go into ministry. Hmm. And, um, and it was really there that I kind of learned what it meant to be a Christ follower hmm. and um, got out of there. And of course, I knew everything. <laughs> With your undergrad in, That's right. uh, in what? Pastoral in, leadership in, or in preaching, preaching. Okay. And, and, and leadership and that kind of thing. So. Um, and so I knew everything until I started talking to real people, <laughs> right? Cause you're, you're yep. kind of in a bubble yep. during all that time. And so anyway, I, um, I started doing ministry, started having a crisis of, of faith because I started asking some questions about while you're a pastor. Yeah. Why, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a problem. Um, <laughs> and, um, got to this place where, you know, I wasn't sure. I remember sitting in my office and just looking at some stuff I was reading and mm. going, gosh, I don't think I believe all this stuff anymore. Wow. In your church office. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and there was another time in my life where uh, I was a pastor and was going through a lot of um, emotional pain. Like we were going through a really hard time as a family Mm. and I felt like, hey, if if the Holy Spirit is real and I've been calling out to God to do something and just, I don't sense that God is at work in my life. Hmm. And I remember on an Easter Sunday standing in the back, watching everybody, you know, raising their hands, worshiping all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. And, and just kind of saying out loud to myself, I don't believe this anymore. Wow. And you're about to preach. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's a big problem on the high holy day of the Christian (laughs) faith. It's the Super Bowl, right? You, you, you're there. So, um, so, I mean, that's been, um, you know, a big part of my life is just wrestling and struggling with doubt. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I did as a result of all of that is I decided to go back to school, realizing I didn't know everything. Hmm. And really, that was a place where it really was a, a process of just taking everything apart. Yeah. And I'm going to take all of this apart and then see what fits, see, hmm. um, what other pieces, what other things I'd never even considered before. Right. And can I, um, believe something that makes sense to me intellectually, but also is satisfying existentially. Right. Right. And, you know, I don't know that we're ever really done. No, I don't think that. so. I don't think we are. Right. Um, but, uh, I love it. I mean, that is my story and there's so much, uh, depth to my faith that has uh, resulted from that kind of a journey. Yeah, no kidding. And I think that's part of the reason why I love being a pastor is I love just uh, being with people when they're when they're in those spaces of doubt. Yeah, and um, letting people know that it's okay. Yep, it's okay to be where you're at, and we can work through this totally. And and we can maybe talk about this later, but. Um, like unexpressed doubt is a killer of, of faith. Yes. And I always have wanted to be um, a part of a church where it was okay to register those things, yep. to talk freely and openly, uh, not only about what's going on, like intellectually, like what your intellectual doubts are, but what is happening emotionally. Right. In you. Like, it's so important that those things come out. And yep. I think that's probably one of my favorite spaces, um, being a pastor. Well, just, and it shows. And I think it's a big part of what makes you such a great pastor, to be honest, is the willingness to enter into those spaces. Like, I didn't even know that part of your story, that it was 
that the doubt was really the impetus to go back to school. Oh, sure. You're like, let me lean more into this rather than what a lot of us do is sort of run away, to be honest. So that, to me, that's a perfect setup for the next segment because I want to talk to you coming up next about the role of doubt in our journey of faith for all of us and maybe some ways forward to how do we navigate that well without jumping ship entirely. That's all coming up next with John Hughes here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is out of the country, but we're told he's going to return soon, likely on Monday. Fingers crossed. But all week long, we've been joined in studio by some very special in-studio guests. Again, cards on the table. They're really just people that I admire and respect a lot. And John Hughes is no exception. He does a whole lot of things and he does them frustratingly well. We'll probably get into that a little bit later. It's kind of like whatever John Hughes sets his mind to. He just excels at, which I've not really ever known that experience. Sounds lovely. But you were telling us a bit of your story earlier. And the piece that always stands out to me, and you've even written about this a little bit, was the experience of being a pastor on Easter Sunday, Mm -hmm. standing in the back, watching people raise their hands and experience worship, thinking, I don't think I buy any of this. And the panic, I imagine, of thinking, how do I, with any integrity, now go preach a sermon? You know, that, the thoughts that must have been going through your head and the feeling in your stomach. But you decided to, to go back to school. And now you're almost like an advocate for the exploration of doubt. You see it as a really central part of, of the Christian life, it seems. Talk to us a little more about that. Yeah. So I think one of my favorite statements about doubt, and we've actually taught on this at Community. Yeah. And there's a line from Frederick Beekner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've never yes. discovered Beekner, I mean, just like throw a dart yeah. at anything you've it all. written, right? Yes. <clears throat> and he says that um, doubt is the ants in the pants of the Christian faith. Yep. It keeps it moving and alive or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, it, it it does a couple things to you. Like it, you just kind of take some things for granted. Mm-hmm. You just kind of go along with stuff. And when you begin to doubt, you begin to kind of shake all that off mm. a little bit. And and so, you know, I think for me, like having doubt um, just adds a different dimension to uh, your inquiry. Hmm. Right. And you're you're seeking after God because, you know, there's a, a part of you like when you are sitting there and you can say, um, you know, I've I've sat at the back of an Easter Sunday yeah, right. as a pastor right. and said, I don't know that I believe this anymore. Like that sort of. Like you've gone to the bottom, yeah, right. Of this in this in some sense, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, of course, you know, obviously that didn't wasn't the end of the story um, for me. But like there, I think like what happens sometimes in faith communities is you are, I think we're sometimes afraid mm-hmm. that if people explore this topic or. Right. They dive into, you know, whatever particular subject. I mean, it could be lots of things, literature, theology, philosophy, biblical studies. Um, If you if you dig in or dive in um, with people that we don't recommend, then or can't control Uh for you, then you're going to pop out an atheist. Right. They're going to fall way off the wagon and we've lost them forever. Right. And, And there's something that's just really honest about um, kind of getting to the place where you're like, I don't know that I believe this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to really wrestle with this and struggle with this and seek things out as truthfully as I can. Yeah. And you know, what are you going to discover? 
if if you do that, right? Mm-hmm. You're either going to discover like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I actually do believe this and want to live this out. Or you're going to just live according to the truth that you've discovered that, right. you know, may end in atheism, right? So there's sort of like, hey, all bets are off. I'm just going to I'm just going to jump into this hmm. um, without anything kind of holding me back. And um, and, you know, sometimes we 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 want to look in. But then are afraid to look. Yes, right. For sure. You sort Absolutely. of just wipe that away. Yep. Does that make sense? What that, I'm saying? 100. percent And you you make the case, and I've heard you make the case before that actually a lot in the Jewish tradition and even in our our own Holy Bible is really a, an example of disagreement and pushback and and dialogue. And there's like we many of us were handed a version of Christianity where. It is. It feels like a house of cards. And if anybody questions this or asks this, you just give them this one answer response, and and that always, at least for me, felt sort of empty. Like, wait a minute, this whole their whole argument is dismantled by this one catchy phrase. That can't that can't be right. So right. you end up feeling very protective of the thing that you've been handed or that you built yourself. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the role of doubt in the historic sense or in your own personal life, or how how we can actually live into that a little bit? Yeah. Um you were saying something about um, what were you saying a, a second ago? I was listening to you, and then you made me think of something, and I forgot because I was listening to you about the scriptures and how they have sort of a interplay and dialogue. Yeah, I, yeah. So, okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, one of the things I love so much about the scripture is just how honest they are, right? And there is this place where people are in scripture always saying things like, "God, are you even there? Have mm-hmm. you forgotten to be good to your your covenant?" and mm-hmm. And so there's all kinds of just really dark psalms, lament psalms, um, you know, calling God and God's character into right. question. And I think sometimes we don't uh, value that side of, of faith because um, for us, it's got to be like all buttoned up. Yeah, it can't right. have any holes. Right. It's got to make um, airtight. Right. right logical yeah. sense. There's a whole uh, industry of publishers and thinkers that do apologetics and yeah. it's all about you know like i remember norm geisler writing a book called unshakable foundations hmm. right and so we've kind of need the the faith and we need the bible and this whole thing to be like that and hmm. if it's not then this all might come crashing down and and i think you know that's a reaction to what was happening in right. in the enlightenment of course you know people aren't just making that up in a vacuum but right um, but I think that, like, put a, a, a bugaboo, I guess, <laughs> on the whole idea of doubt. And, yeah, right. Um, and I think there's, like, other scriptures, you know, people would say, well, you know, I think I can hear somebody objecting to the idea of doubt who's mm. thinking of um, of James. You know, and I think it's James 1 where he says, if you, if you doubt, if you ask God it but you doubt, you're like a, a wave yeah. that's, you know, you know Tossed around, yeah, right? tossed yeah. around by the wind, yep. and um, I think there's a difference between having some um, intellectual doubt and what I would call selective obedience. Hmm. So, um, selective obedience is, I think, where you say, "Well, God, I want to hear what you have to say on this, but I only want to practice that halfway." Oh, interesting, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to do something else. Hmm. That to me is that's different. Yeah. Selective obedience is different from somebody who's, you know, for instance, like in Mark nine, where um, that the father brings his son to uh, Jesus's disciples and they're unable to to right. 
to cast out this, the demon that he has in him. And, and he says to Jesus, you know, if, if you can do something about this, would you please right. heal my son? Right. And he says, if, yeah. well, you know, what are you talking about? Right. And, I'm and, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I do believe help my unbelief. Beautiful. And, uh, people talk about that. I think what Stanley Grenz talks about that is, uh, faith seeking understanding. Ooh, that's good. Okay. And that's good. And, um, and that really is a definition that we could use for theology, mm-hmm. faith seeking understanding. And so I think it's, um, doubt is that person who's saying, I, I you know, I still got to live my life. Yeah. Right. 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 Dallas Willard says, um, action is forever. The, the rocket of your life has left the launch pad. Hmm. Right. And all of us are living our lives in a, in we're a in specific right. way. It's, right. We're being formed a certain way. We have to make choices about it. And I think um, what can be beautiful about um, doubt is that you begin to just take the next step. Hmm. You take the next step. You, you say, I'm going to follow the way of Jesus and see where that takes me. Yeah. And um, it's okay if I don't have it all figured out. Yep. In fact, that's typically been most people's experience. Absolutely. If they're being honest. I don't think I could have asked for a better segue because coming up next, I want to talk about theology, philosophy, and the way of Jesus. That's coming up next with my good buddy, the right Reverend John Hughes here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm, but fret not and fear not, he shall return on Monday. See, John, the music's already clapping for you. We're not even done yet, and you're already getting rhythmic applause. This is such a uplifting, positive show. Don't you feel <laughs> hope-filled? I feel hope-filled. I, I do. I you're do. smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> Uh, before we get into what I told you all I want to talk to John about, which is theology, philosophy, and the way of Jesus, John has some words he'd like to share with you. Tell us about them, John. Yes. The new year is underway, and mm. our friends at In Touch Ministries want to bless you with a complimentary wall calendar. Called, Me? Yes, oh, you. Oh, oh, blessed oh. to be the church. And it's featuring Charles Stanley's original photography of churches around the world. That sounds pretty impressive. It really is. He gets, he gets around. And it's an inspirational Bible verse from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount and a motivational quote from Dr. Stanley. They accompany each photo. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's pretty awesome. So you can get yours today absolutely free at 1160hope.com slash contest. Really? Yes. And everyone who signs up, emphasis everyone, wow. will be entered to win a copy of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. So you can sign up today at 1160hope.com slash contest. It's never sounded better, John. You got a real good voice for radio, by the way. Great. As long as I don't have a face You do radio. not have a face for radio. That was my... I had a radio station in community college way back in the day. It's like a midnight to 3 a.m. show, and that was my intro that I had the face for radio, which is super humbling. But um, all right, so we teased it up. You actually teased it up perfectly. I didn't even have to set it up. Theology, philosophy, and the way of Jesus. And those are sequential. And that's this is part of what you've sort of framed this next segment yeah. to look like. Talk to us a little bit about theology, philosophy, and the way of Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I would just talk about it out of my own life. So, yeah. we were talking about doubt. And for me, um, going back and doing master's work was around um, just deconstructing everything. And hmm. so, I did a degree in philosophy and theology and 
And that was a, a ton of fun. And um, oh, was it? Deconstructing yeah, was fun? Yeah, deconstructing it, reconstructing it. I mm. mean, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Right. So <laughs> just diving into things, mm. learning all about them to their depths, and then trying to construct something. Right. Um, that's a ton of fun mm. um, for me. But um, obviously not always fun for, for everyone. But right. it, was, it was good. And, um, and I think one of the really cool things about um, theology and philosophy is that um, everything works really nice <laughs> and neat. Right. And um, I, I, I once heard, had someone say to me that, um, you know, if you want to be a Christian, um, study philosophy and theology. And, you know, Francis Bacon, he, he once said that a little bit of philosophy leads one to atheism, but hmm. depth in philosophy leads to religion. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, so pretty interesting. But, like, that's what you find. Like, in, in theology and philosophy, there's um, really compelling reasons to believe in God. Hmm. And um, if you want to be an atheist, read the Bible. Oh, interesting. And um, and I think sometimes we, um, we make... Theology and philosophy like makes things in a really tidy package, um, and you open up the Bible, and it's way more <laughs> right. interesting. And right. the Bible doesn't always like fit into all of the categories that you want right. to kind of uh, press it into. Um, but here's the thing about um, about the Bible. So I, I did this this work in in theology and philosophy, and then. Uh, that really led me to biblical studies, which mm-hmm. is was where um, I really kind of sank my teeth into yeah. um, post post graduate work, and that was a lot of just reading historical stuff, reading more mm-hmm. about um, in kind of the area of the historical Jesus, and trying to determine what I really believed about mm-hmm. Jesus because I think that's the that's the real that's the big question yeah, right that's the who, core who yep. is jesus yep. and is he who he said he is did he rise again from the dead is 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 he the lord of the universe right those are the the most important questions and um i remember um kind of early earlier on in this in this um uh, this journey i was at a theological conference mm. that um was basically kind of celebrating the life and work of nt Wright, and mm. i was there with my dad and um, and I, I turned to him and said, you know, I think the, the, the best thing that the church has going for it or Christianity has going for it is, is Jesus. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I love philosophy and I love theology and you can make all that, you know, really nice and tidy. Um, but, but really I think the thing that we're all drawn to is, is Jesus. And he's the one that, um, I, I guess I, I came to, to love Jesus hmm. Um, through N.T. Wright and, and some other thinkers like like Dallas Willard, and um, and and so and what I when I mean what I mean by the way of Jesus is, um, you know, earlier we were talking about doubt, yeah. and we were talking about um, this idea of you have to choose. Hmm. Right. You have to, you have to, you know, the, the rocket of your life has, has left the, the right. launch pad. And um, Jesus in John seven says that um, he's debating back and forth. And he says, if you want to know if I'm from God, then um, you just try living out right. my way and, right. and see, you'll see that I'm from God. Give it and, a shot. Yeah. And so there is this sense in which you can talk about all this stuff hmm. and know a lot of things, but what it really comes down to is, um, okay, I may have some doubts, but I'm I, I'm going to live as though it is actually better 
to forgive my enemies, hmm. to pray for them. Yeah. Like he says, pray for those who persecute you. And he's not, you know, when he talks about enemies, he's not, he wasn't talking to people about somebody who cut them off in traffic <laughs> right, or right. somebody who, you know, spoke an ill word mm. at, about you at a board meeting. You know, he's talking about the Romans. He's talking about people who are actively against you. Yeah, like oppressing. Yes. Yep. And, and he's like, what I want you to do is I want you to, if a Roman soldier whom you hate forces you to walk and carry your carry his stuff. I want you to go the extra mile. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you, you begin to go, okay, am I going to live according to the way of Jesus? Hmm. And I, and I think what, what I found is that it really is the, the best way. Yeah. Right. And, um, I think for me, there was this season in life where I was having all these questions about, uh, about Jesus and I was, was trying to determine what I really believed. And so I kind of had to make a little, um, a bet with myself or I had to make a decision about how I was going to live. And, and so for me, it was like, well, at the, at, at the base level, I believe that the way of Jesus is the best way to live life. Hmm. Like there's something about it that is just fundamentally um, beautiful. Yeah. And whether or not I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, I think if we all lived this way, um, the world would be better. It would be better. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so I'm going to, I'm just going to have that as a baseline. Hmm. And so every time I go to church and I'm singing about Jesus and I'm still wrestling with my doubt, hmm. I don't have to have an argument with right. myself because I've decided that, um, it's already not a waste of my life to, to give myself to That's this. That's good. And so any worship and devotion and mission, um, in his name is just added to that all to that value of of following him i love that man and i imagine too someone's listening right now maybe they've experienced their own doubt or they're in the midst of doubt and they're wondering okay you've intrigued me maybe even convinced me how how can i actually begin to live like this how can i actually lean into this that's what we're going to talk about coming up next we're going to talk about establishing a what's called a rule of life brian and i talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about a book called the common life and so we we sort of dipped a toe in these waters but this is something that john cares deeply about and has established for himself so if you've been in any way intrigued by this journey or this challenge to step into the way of jesus we're going to talk about how to actually do some of that coming up next with john hughes here on the common good on am 1160 hope for your life hey everyone welcome back to the common good my name is ian simpkins and we have been brian Fromless all week long but he will be returning on monday fear not that's at least what we're told he's been in mexico for his 20 year anniversary but you can find us if you like on facebook at the common good radio show or wherever it is you get your podcast but man has it been fun to have in-studio guests aka just my favorite people <laughs> in the studio. John, you are certainly high on the list of people, just thinkers, but also just a friend. I'm grateful that I get to do life with you. We have an open office, so we get to have conversations like this all the time. So this just feels like a Thursday. Yeah, it just feels like hanging out with a friend, yep. to be honest. We yep. just happen to have microphones in front of us, and I I really, really appreciate you and your ministry and your heart for people. And we talk about hero-making a lot around community, and I think you're just the epitome in a lot of ways of that mantra. So just to say it out loud, uh, I appreciate you, man. It's, oh. been, it's been great doing ministry with you. Well, I would have to say all kinds of wonderful things about oh, you thanks, and your man. leadership. and thanks, But most of all, your friendship. I, that's the, I, I really 
love having you on our team. Thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate that. Before we dive into this uh, last segment, uh, I'm wondering if for anyone who's listening and they're thinking, man, I, I'm on a journey of doubt, or I know someone close to me is, they're exploring, they're pushing back, they're pulling stuff apart. With it. Is there a place that you would point people that you encourage people to check out? Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the, the a big place that I think anybody could check out um, just right now yeah. would be to go to um, find out uh, where an alpha course is yeah. um, near them. And uh, do you happen to have the Alpha course handy? The, I sure the, do, the John. Website? It's alphausa.org. That's A-L-P-H-A-U-S-A dot org. Oh, man, you're so quick. Thank you so much. And Off the, the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about Alpha, it's my favorite thing that we do at Community because it's it really is a place where people can articulate mm-hmm. whatever it is they're thinking. Right. Um, they can talk about their doubts, their convictions. I don't think there are a lot of places in life where you can actually do that yep. in a safe place where you're not afraid that someone's going to come club you over the head because right. you said the wrong thing. Plus, there's food, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. There's food. It's so, amazing. Um, I, I love it. it. It really is a good a good place um, just to, to wrestle with things. Yep, I totally agree. And John Wentz of Alpha is going to be joining us in February 10th, actually. Tell us a whole lot more about what Alpha does, but I can't encourage you enough. I'm right there with you. Check out the website. Some of our our favorite stories uh, since I've mm-hmm. been in community have come from Alpha, and I think Absolutely. it's remarkable. All right, so we talked about it last segment. Uh, people may or may not even be familiar with what a rule of life actually is, but talk to us a little bit about what it is, why it's important, and if we have time, how do I actually begin to develop one for myself? Yeah, so I think when we talk about the way of Jesus and we start talking about loving your enemies right. and all this kind of thing, you know, um, people sometimes have said, um, like Soren Kierkegaard once said that, um, you know, people think that the Sermon on the Mount is like setting the clock forward hmm. and hmm. you're never really going to do it. But you, if you shoot <laughs> for it, you'll get some of it. <laughs> and um, and he's like, no, that's not that's not what the Sermon on the Mount is at all. I, in fact, I think it's the vision of Jesus for what life looks like in the kingdom. Hmm. Right. If you're filled with the spirit and you're you're living according to him. Um, but like you can sit there and go, oh my gosh, well, how in the world does anybody actually begin to live that out? It feels impossible. In fact, that was Bertrand Russell's like big objection to the, the ethic of Jesus is it just seemed impossible. Right. And, um, so how do you go from like admiring this way of life to actually beginning to embody the, the way of Jesus? And and I think a, a rule of life is something that we teach people in our lead lab, which is like a kind of lead yourself fundamentals of leadership in our church. Mm-hmm. And rule of life sounds like, oh, gosh, that sounds really restrictive. But you know, really, <laughs> it's just um, the ru- the word rule in Latin is there just means like a trellis. Yeah. So like in my backyard growing up, we had grapevines and you had these wires that ran, you know, kind of vertically in, mm-hmm. in there and the grapevines would reach up and would grab a hold of um, those, those wires love that. and it created a structure for um, that plant to grow. Yep. And so a rule of life is really about you being intentional about growing into the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Dallas Willard talks a lot about this in, um, the, the, he he talks about this in one of his books. It's got the white flag on the front of it. I'll remember it yeah, later. Which one but, is that? Um, but called the renovation of the heart is what he calls that, uh, or is the name of that book. And uh, but the idea is um, with a, a rule of life is that you're um, you're writing out the the kind of the main things you're giving yourself to hmm. around your relationships, 
around rest, uh, around prayer mm-hmm. and around work. Yeah. And I know for me, I, we've mentioned earlier that I'm a seven <laughs> on the Enneagram, <laughs> yep. which um, basically means that my interests are on, are almost infinite. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so, but you can't do everything in life, right? right? You have to actually aim at something mm-hmm. and intend to do something. And so when you begin to kind of map out um, your rule of life, you can sit there and um, when you're presented with opportunities, um, go, well, does this actually fit? Right. I have a structure in place to serve as a metric to kind of measure against these options. Right. Right. And so like around um, relationships, you know, I would would be like, oh, I want to have... um, coffee with my brother every Friday. Right. And, right. And that's actually not very realistic. Hmm. And so, but we do go out once a month. Um, and I also on my rule of life is that I want to date, want to go out more with my wife. I want to date and be more present to her. Hmm. And so I kind of be able to merge those things and say, Hey, this is something really valuable that I want to do. Right. And so as it relates to the way of Jesus, um, you know, I think all of that is like practicing the way of Jesus, yeah. thinking through all of those things. And so I want to spend time doing the daily office, which is spending some time in silence and reading some scripture and prayer. I want to get away once a quarter, which is built into the structure of our our church where Mm -hmm. we have retreat days. But I also want to get away once a year and spend a day or two alone and Mm -hmm. in some solitude and some silence. And, you know, I I think um, when we have a plan for how we we want to grow ourselves, um, then I think, you know, you're able to uh, make some progress there. And, yes, right. And and I think, you know, in our, our church, we talk about the RPMs, like relationships, our RPMs, so relationships, our physical life, yeah. our, our mental life, our spiritual life. Yeah. I add that emotional life to that as well. Ooh, that's good. And, you know, I have found in my own life that when I am really diligent, um, with what I'm doing physically, that actually translates yeah. to all the other kind of areas of my life. Right. If, right. Like if that tank is full, all the other tanks right. are full. That's uh, good. I think I heard Richard Rohr say this. He said, um, uh, how you do anything is how you'll do everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. It's so true. if you're giving yourself to something and you're working towards it and you're persevering in this area of your life, that just begins to bleed over in, yeah. into everything else. And so, you know, I think if you can be intentional about your life and you're not just doing things randomly or this seems like a good idea right. and you have a plan. Um, and, and part of that is um, connection to, to Jesus mm-hmm. and um, being connected to a church and being in a small group and and serving in some way, um, you know, and engaging with the world. I, I think that really um, just helps people grow and not be just a bunch of grapes on the ground, but right. become a, a flowering plant. Man, what a beautiful image that is. It made me think of the John Orberg quote that habits eat willpower for breakfast. Oh, yeah. So yeah. often we think we'll will ourselves to eat better or to pray more, or read more scripture, but we're not actually taking steps to build the kind of habits that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time you even talked about this rule of life thinking, I need to work towards that. Yeah. I, I hadn't really ever considered, you know, sometimes I think we can buck the system like that feels too restrictive. I'm just going right. to allow the spirit to lead. And, and you're one of the, in my opinion, one of the most spirit led people I know. And a lot of that comes by way of this trellis. 
the structures so that the fruit in your life can grow. Yeah, and if, if anybody would want to learn more about Rule of Life, yeah. Peter Scazzaro has a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Perfect. And he talks about that there, and I think it's really valuable. I do, too, man. It's a remarkable book. John, thank you so much, man, not only for coming on the show, just for being my friend, for pouring into our church, for making us all better. We are easily a better church because of your presence, man. I appreciate it very much. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on and letting me ramble for a little while. So. <laughs> that was phenomenal, man. Well, this comes to an end, our week of very special in-studio guests. But Brian Fromm will be joining us on Monday. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hope for your life.